In today's show, we're going to have a look ahead to Sunday's games in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're looking ahead to Sunday's action. So let's take a look at those games. First one is the Marcus Morris Bowl, the Knicks and the Celtics. Alec Burks is doubtful, so it's unlikely we're going to see him back in that rotation. But if he does happen to play, how he fits alongside Peyton and Bullock and Rivers and Quickly, it's a massive question. Quickly played 28 minutes last game to Alfred Payton's 20. The game before that, it was 33 to 22 in Payton's favor. It was 31 to 29 the game before that. Quickly has played so over 20 minutes in each of the last three games. Um, I am going to watch how he plays and how much they play him. I think he's going to have some real inconsistencies in his shooting and in the playing time that Thibodeau gives him, but it is encouraging that he's played over 20 in the last three games. I'm just not sure how that rotation, you know, uh, how it looked last game with Peyton only getting 20 and Rivers getting 17, whether that's something that Thibodeau is going to continue with. For the Boston Celtics, we want to watch Peyton Pritchard, who has looked really, really good. There's still no Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker has been up to questionable as well. So we want to check on that. But if Walker plays, I'm even more interested to see what Pritchard does. Does he play over Teague? How many minutes does he get? And how does that minutes distribution look between all of those point guards? And then I want to watch the big men. Uh, Tristan Thompson started last game over Daniel Tice. And I have to think that that is because Kemba's return is on the horizon. And they were never going to start both Thompson and Tice when Kemba returned. Um, so let's see how that minutes split looks. It was 20 to Thompson last game, 21 to Tice, and that's without the Rock DJ Robbie Williams. Now, he's going to be out again on Sunday, but there is a lot of intrigue in uh, how they run their center rotation. Next game, it is the campaign bowl. The Bulls and the Mavericks, and those of you who didn't think campaign played for the Mavericks, he did. He played for him in Summer League, and I remember that was before he was signed by Phoenix. He dominated that Summer League. I went, campaign, what, anything? Maybe, probably not. And then, of course, he's come on to be a really good NBA backup point guard. This is the campaign bowl. Of course, we want to check on Patrick Williams of the Chicago Bulls, who's played some pretty big minutes. Even last game with Lowry and back, he played an absolute ton, which is great for him. It meant that Otto Porter played 23, Garrett Temple played 18, and Thad Young played 12. So I didn't know the direction that Billy Donovan would go there because he was limiting Williams to like 22, 23 minutes a night. Yeah, back at the beginning of this year or the last two games in December, Williams played 20 and 18 minutes and he's only got to 30 minutes in the last three games and he's top 30 in those three games. So that's obviously encouraging. Let's watch how he does. And then Wendell Carter Jr. who played 30 minutes last game. I think he's playing really well at the moment. I want him to push to 32 or 33 minutes. That's the big challenge here. So I want to see how that looks. For the Mavericks, Timmy Hardaway is on a real roll at the moment. It hasn't really mattered whether he's starting or coming off the bench. So let's watch him. Let's watch how the usage looks. Let's see how the minutes look because he's played 40, 33, and 37 minutes in the last three games. Of course, there's still 
still no Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, or Dwight Powell. Uh, but Jalen Bronson could be returning uh, from this one after uh, for this one after missing the last couple. So whether that impacts Hardaway, Cooley Stein should get another run at things. Thirty minutes in each of the last two games is going to be someone we we'll want to watch how he performs next to Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis. The next game. The Mike Muscala Bowl, the Philadelphia 76ers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Sixers on a back-to-back. There is no Joel Embiid. There is no Seth Curry. There is no Prison Mike Scott. Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton. We want to watch those guys. Um, Milton in particular with another brilliant game on Saturday. Really playing well in that bench role, and I think that's I think it's bad news for Maxi to be honest. Because when Curry comes back, he's just going to take Maxi's minutes. Whereas the level that Milton's playing at has been fantastic. I'm not sure how sustainable this level of shooting can be, but he has been great. While Ben Simmons having this opportunity to you know, lead the team without Embiid, he's been a real disappointment so far this season. Simmons and yeah, the performance on uh, on Saturday wasn't great either. So can he do something to pull his finger out? On the Thunder side of things, no Al Horford, so Isaiah Roby should get another start. I like what Roby can do. I'd like him to play 30 instead of 24 minutes, but I like what I'm seeing from him. He's an interesting stream guy while Horford's out. While Shea Gildas-Alexander had been bad, and then on Friday, he was really good. So where is Shea? What's he doing defensively? What's he doing with his passing? Were the low assist totals to do with teammates not hitting shots, or they were to do with... Gildas Alexander being tunneled vision. I think it's more to do with players not hitting shots than anything else. The next game is the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets, the Rudy Gobert Bowl. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Thank God for Rudy's music, so I needed to take a breath. All right, Jordan Clarkson's been really killing it for Utah off that bench. He is a must-roster 12-team league guy. I just want to watch him and how his role looks. While Mike Conley looks so much more familiar this season than he has or than he did last year. Not familiar. Familiar with the system. Looks more comfortable. Comfortable is the word I'm looking for. He looks way more comfortable this year in a with familiarity with the Utah Jazz system. For the Denver Nuggets, is Gaz Harris going to play? It looks like it. He is probable. No. So prior to his personal issues, he was actually playing really well, shooting the ball well, getting a lot of minutes. Let's see what this means for Fart and Will Barton, what it means for Monty Morris, what it means for PJ Dozier, and how they all uh, play. Well, Jermichael Green, ton of minutes last game. I think he'd be 28 minutes compared with Millsap's 23. He looked great out there. I don't believe he's a 12-team league player, but it's at least one we want to watch to see how the minutes get distributed between himself and between Paulie Millsap. The next game, the DeMarcus Cousins Bowl, the Pelicans and the Kings. We know that Lonzo Ball is out again. So what does that mean for Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Will they start Alexander-Walker over Bledsoe again? This is going to be key. Now, last time they started Alexander-Walker over Bledsoe, but it was Bledsoe being a game-time decision. So they named the starters, and then they weren't sure whether Bledsoe was going to play. Bledsoe did play. He played 21 minutes off the bench while Alexander-Walker played 20, but he did foul out in that time. But if they go with Alexander-Walker again and play him 30 minutes and play Bledsoe 20 minutes then that is absolutely something we want to pay attention to. So that is going to be one of the major, major focuses. Now, Lonzo's still got to come back so they could change things, and they could easily start Bledsoe and Alexander Walker together. But we really want to pay attention to that. Of course, Bledsoe is another guy we're watching. For the Sacramento Kings, we want to see Marvin Bagley, who played pretty well last game, put up some nice numbers. I don't trust it at all. He's had uh, exactly two good games, and that big game last time came in a game they lost by 40 points. So I wouldn't say that he was uh, contributing to winning, so to speak. And then we want to check on the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. 
Barnsley has amazingly been a top or uh, a 12 team league top 100 player this season. It's starting to fall off a bit. He was shooting at a very high, unsustainable two-point level. Um, the minutes are fine. Uh, the usage is not ideal. So I, I want to see Barnes. I want to see what his numbers are like because um, I'm not going to have a really short leash with him, to be honest. Next up, the Paul George Bowl, the Pacers and the Clippers. Terrible news with the Pacers and Karis Levert dealing with the mass on his kidney. That is horrendous news. We will find out more about that. But the wording that Kevin Pritchard used when describing it you know, when someone asked if Karras will be back this season, he goes, oh, I think so. Well, that is not encouraging. This is how I see it, not being a doctor, but having some experience in the medical field. I think that, yeah, the best case scenario is that it's a benign mass on the kidney. And whatever happens, they go, they're going to have to excise it, right? So they're going to have to get in there and cut it out. So he's going to miss time. I would think two weeks would be your best case scenario. If it is cancerous, then the season's over for him because you can't play through 12 weeks of chemo and radiation or whatever, however long it is. If it is a cancerous issue, he won't play this season. And that's obviously horrible news. Um, I don't I don't want it to be that, obviously. I don't think it's going to be that. But we have to brace ourselves that that's, that's a concern. We're not dropping Karis LeVert yet, um, but I think that's it's worth mentioning here. Um, so with him out, with no TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb is going to return soon. He's not quite there yet, but he's not far away. I imagine Edmund Sumner gets the start. Aaron Holiday gets a role. Justin Holiday gets a role. But I think overall, in terms of who's the Levert slash Oladipo replacement, it's going to be Sumner, Lamb, Holiday, Holiday. And I don't think any of them are going to be must-roster players. That does bring me on to discussion about Jeremy Lamb, which I think I need to put out there. Lamb suffered an absolutely devastating injury, a torn meniscus, a torn ACL, and a fracture of his uh, of his knee, yeah, the top of his uh, top of his leg bone in his knee. That's a horrendous injury. Um, guys, getting back from ACLs don't come in and play thirty minutes a night straight away. So he's going to come in, and that's not without these other injuries, which would have had some impact on his rehab. He's going to come in and play limited minutes initially. He's going to sit back to backs initially. Maybe that's two weeks. Maybe that's three weeks. So I think adding Lamb and then waiting for it, and then if you do add him and he's on your IR, then he starts playing at seventeen minutes a night. Then you have to activate him out of IR. Then you've got a guy playing seventeen minutes that's not worth holding on to, and his upside is what maybe the top one hundred. And then by the time he's ready to play thirty minutes. It's Levert's probably back, and maybe TJ Warren's back. So I wouldn't say that he is a must-roster guy. For the Clippers, I want to watch Serge Ibaka, who's starting to fall off a little bit at the moment. Still think he's worth rostering, but he's someone to watch. While with um, uh, Lou Williams questionable, Patrick Beverly is likely up. With Lou Williams questionable, we want to see Luke Kennard, who really did turn in a good performance against the Sacramento Kings. Can he do that again? Lastly, we're looking at streams. I like Corley Stein. I like Jim Johnson. Someone complained that I didn't play the music, so here you go. Uh, yes, Jim Johnson. He's a pretty strong stream with Dallas's absences. Patrick Beverly should be back, so I like him as a stream. You can stream in the Thunder's best three-point shooter, Lugans Dort, and then Patrick Williams of the Chicago Bulls. Looks like a pretty good stream to me, guys. That'll do it for me. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, thumbs up, bells, subscriptions, reviews. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>